morning we continue in our uh, Dear Church sermon series looking at Paul's letter to the Romans. Uh, so in, in preparation for this morning's scripture passage, I invite you to pray with me that God might open our hearts and minds to uh, what God has to say uh, this day. Let us pray. God, we do pray that you would open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us, transform us, that we might bear fruit for you and for your kingdom. This we pray through your son's holy name. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Listen for God's word. So what are we going to say? Should we continue sinning so grace will multiply? Absolutely not. All of us died to sin. How can we still live in it? Or don't you know that all who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried together with him through baptism into his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too can walk in newness of life. If we were united together in death like his, we will also be united together in a resurrection like his. This is what we know. The person that we used to be was crucified with him in order to get rid of the corpse that had been controlled by sin. That way we wouldn't be slaves to sin anymore, because a person who has died has been freed from sin's power. But if we die with Christ, we have faith that we will also live with him. We know that Christ has been raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. He died to sin once and for all with his death, but he lives for God with his life. In the same way, you also should consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive for God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the same way, you should consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive for God in Christ. Dead, but alive. Is Is that possible? Is is it possible to be dead but alive at the same time? Fans of of the comic book and TV show The Walking Dead will tell you, yes, absolutely, those are zombies. In the the classic uh, physicist thought experiment known as Schrodinger's cat, Schrodinger stated that if you place a cat and a radioactive uh, radioactive atom that when it's decayed would trigger the release of a poison, you put it in a box and steal the box, then you would not know if the cat was dead or alive until you opened the box. And so until the box was opened, the cat was in a sense both dead and alive. But Paul isn't talking about zombies. Paul isn't talking about a thought experiment. Paul is talking about the reality of living in light of who we are in Jesus Christ how we might live as people who have experienced God's dramatic, transforming grace through Jesus Christ. According to Paul, then, for the Christian, it is not only possible, it is necessary. It is necessary to be dead, but alive at the same time. Dead to sin, but alive in Jesus Christ. And so our message from Paul for the church today, dear church, we are dead but alive. 
Paul begins chapter 6 with a question um, that, that mirrors what people might have been thinking having heard or read his letter up to this point. God's grace sounds pretty amazing and, and plentiful. Should we just continue sinning more so that grace will multiply? If you remember from the last three weeks uh, what we've covered, or, or even if you haven't, here's a, here's a quick summary. Paul has written about how we are all unfaithful, but God in Jesus Christ has been faithful by being both just and loving through Christ's death and resurrection. We who are, who are in the wrong have been put in the right because of Jesus' death and resurrection. We have been pardoned and made a part of God's forever family. We have peace with God and relationship with God. And we stand in the wide open space of God's grace. And the same love that rescued us is the same love that God pours into our heart through the Holy Spirit. A love that, that transforms hardship into, into hope. And then Paul concludes chapter 5 in Romans by, by talking about how uh, that where human sin increased because of, of Adam... Grace, God's grace multiplied all the more because of Jesus. So then having just laid out the amazing good news that God's love has come to us, reached down to us in Jesus and, and brought redemption and peace and salvation and hope, Paul anticipates the thought, okay then, if God loves us that much when we have done nothing to deserve it, should we, shouldn't, shouldn't we just remain in that state that place so that God will go on loving us like that? In other words, if God loves rescuing people from the mud and the mess that they are in, wouldn't it be best to just stay in the mud and the mess so that God will love us all the more? I mean, if grace multiplies where sin increases, shouldn't we just sin more? Imagine a modification to a story that, that Jesus told, the story of a uh, of a young, uh, the youngest son who went to his father one day and asked his father for his share of the inheritance. And he took that and he went to a faraway country and he, and he squandered it and he spent it on unfulfilling living. And then one day he came to his senses and he decided to journey home again. But he was afraid that he would not be worthy to be called his father's son anymore. And while he was st still a long way off, his father saw him coming and he ran down the road uh, and he and embraced him and he welcomed him home and he threw him a big party. And now, fast forward a year or two and imagine a, a thought sneaking into this young man's mind. Life has settled down again. His, his father continues to, to get older. He, he remembers that day he came back home. And he remembers how his father came running to greet him and hug him and he, how he threw him a party. And he thinks, well, you know, that works so well. What if I did that a couple more times? Take some things, run away to that far country again for a few weeks, and then come back home again. Maybe, maybe I'll get another party. And, that, and that's what Paul is addressing, an acceptance of grace without the transformation that comes with it. Without the who and the how, we are called to be as grace-bathed people. Should we continue sinning so that grace will multiply? Heck no, Paul says, except in his tone, he doesn't say heck. We, we died to sin. We died to sin. How can we live in it? And here's the, the first state. We are dead to sin. Now, that's very strong and, and clear. Paul doesn't say we fainted to sin. 
We died to it. When someone says something or someone is dead to them, it means that they have cut that thing or that person off, right? It means ties have been severed. Sin, Paul says, is supposed to be dead to us. It doesn't mean that it's not there. It doesn't mean that it's not there. It means it doesn't have power over us. It has no claim. It's not our ruler. It doesn't give us marching orders. Paul is essentially saying if we've been welcomed home by by a perfectly loving father, we don't even think about going back to that other place where we once lived. You see, Paul is interested in, in where we are because sin is a ruling power and not just a style of conduct. So imagining sin as a place, a kingdom, a power, Paul is saying that we've packed up, we've packed up and left that place, that kingdom for good. So we still can't be living there. It's impossible. God's grace has moved us. That past, whatever it is, whatever it might be, is dead and gone. We can't still be living in our old house there if we've packed up and left. We can't even be speaking the same language of that place we used to live anymore because now sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to us anymore. I thought about it in, a, in another way this week. When you have three boys, you quickly discover just the short amount of time that particular outfit fits uh, when they're growing. Um, their clothes don't fit them for very long. However, that doesn't mean, uh, that, uh, that doesn't, uh, rather I should say, that doesn't always stop them from trying to still wear a beloved item of clothing. Now, Gabriel loves a particular set of Spider-Man pajamas that he uses as a costume in the, in the the outfit is just too small at this point, just too small. It's not even close. And so we've had to tell Gabriel that, that he's outgrown it and it will not fit him anymore. That's another way to think about what Paul means when he says that we've died to sin. Sin is like an old set of clothes that we've outgrown. How can we, how can we wear them anymore? Why are we still trying to put them on? Things that we've said or done, things that we, that we haven't said or, or haven't done that have hurt others, hurt ourselves, broken God's heart. They don't fit us anymore. They don't fit our grace-bathed character. It doesn't even make sense to try to put them on still. We are dead to sin. Do we know that we're already dead to sin? Do we know that we've already left the country, the kingdom where sin was in charge? Do we know sin doesn't fit us anymore? You see, God's love comes to us as we are, where we are, but has drawn us to a different place, transferred us to a new kingdom, made us to a new kind of person. Paul tells us that that this happens, this death to sin happens in baptism, in baptism. When we are baptized, we are baptized into Christ Jesus' death, he says. So, So we were buried with him in his death, and our old self, that that old state of affairs defined by sin, the false self was nailed to the cross, was put to death. But not only that, if we get included in Christ's uh, uh, sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. 
in baptism. Paul says that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so too we might walk in newness of life. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so we too might walk in newness of life. Something new means something different than before. That's the alive, the alive state. Think about that. Jesus was dead on Friday and alive on Sunday. So what changes for us is what changed for Jesus. Death to life. If Jesus the Messiah is the crucified and risen one, that means that we who belong to him are also characterized by by dying and rising. Dead to sin, but alive in Jesus. Being alive in Jesus means that Jesus is now the single animating force of our lives, regardless of, of external happenings. Our center, our foundation, we, we now live, we, we've put down our roots in the kingdom, the country, the place of the Savior, where he is the very center of our hearts, our loves, our desires, our affections, our actions. Jesus is our source of meaning, of purpose, of love, of hope, of joy. We're, we're unpacking our lives as it were. We're unpacking our lives, even if it takes a while, having moved out of the place where sin rules and settling into the place where God's life and love now rule. Like a plant orienting itself to the sun because the sun is what gives it its life, we too orient ourselves to the sun because Jesus gives us life. And we continue to, to grow we continue to grow because alive things grow. We continue to grow in our love for God and neighbor. And, and as alive beings in Christ, we bear fruit and, and we produce and reproduce because alive things produce and reproduce. And our fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. It's justice and mercy. God speaks our native language and we hang on every word that God is saying seeking to learn, speak that language ourselves, where love is the strange, beautiful accent that people hear. Dead to sin, but alive in Christ. We are different. Now, that doesn't mean living in an in-between space. It doesn't mean with living with one foot in the grave and, and, and the other foot in the empty tomb. It means living with both feet firmly planted in the kingdom, in the land where Jesus is Lord and King. Those who identify themselves with Jesus Christ can no longer tolerate or, or, or cooperate with sin. Our life from the highs to the lows to the everyday is now grounded, shaped, directed, formed by Jesus our daily living must demonstrate our grace-filled status in Christ, that we are dead but alive at the same time, dead to sin but alive in Jesus Christ. So, yeah, that, that, that means <laughs> there are some things that need to stay dead. There are some things that need to stay dead so that we can fully stand in the alive place from self-centered ambition and other things on the personal level to slaveholder religion, uh, other things on the communal level. 
There are some alive things that we need to stand in solidarity with so that we, so that we stay dead to sin, from loving our neighbors at the personal level to, to standing up for justice at the communal level. It feels to me like we're living in, in a time and in a season and a moment right now where individuals, the church, society at large, is trying to figure out exactly what we are dead to and what we are alive in. What we are dead to versus what we are alive in. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like I'm not walking in newness of life, but rather sleeping or dawdling around. It's time to be who we are. So let's be better. Let's do better. Let's don't go back there anymore to that territory controlled by sin, to that place where we're scared to do what we know is right, to that place where we care more about ourselves than others, to that country where fear is the native language, to that kingdom where words tear people down instead of building them up, where hating is more convenient than loving, where money and possessions are the idols we bow down to on every corner, where people in power abuse it, where we're too busy and self-preoccupied for our neighbors, where it's salvation by other people's approval that I have to earn, where it's every person for herself, where, it's in, where all kinds of isms dot the landscape. We've left that place. We've left that place. Don't go back there, friends. We walk in newness of life, alive in Jesus Christ. We've been transferred in our baptism. If you've been baptized, you have been transferred to a new place, to that kingdom ruled by Jesus Christ, to that place where we not only know the good, we courageously do what is good and right to that place where we care about others and not just ourselves, to that country where love is the native language, where words build people up instead of tear them down, where hate has no home in our hearts, in our towns, in our institutions, where there are no idols, only a world saturated with God's glory in the ordinary and every day, where the people in power are the ones who serve in humility, where we're preoccupied with loving our neighbors, where we know that our salvation has been won by Jesus Christ alone and we don't need other people's approval. Where no person is an island where, where every ism is, is washed away and justice and peace define and dot the landscape. This week, United Methodists from Eastern North Carolina gathered online for our annual conference. Uh, usually in person this year, um, live stream. All annual conferences historically have begun with a, with a hymn written by Charles Wesley, one of the, the founders of Methodism. And the hymn begins with this question. And are we yet alive? And are we yet alive and see each other's face? Glory and thanks to Jesus give for his almighty grace question, of course, is rhetorical. If we're singing those lines, then obviously we are alive. But, but I think it's a reminder that we are really alive. We're really alive because we've died to sin and are alive in Christ Jesus because of God's almighty and transforming grace. 
and love. And no matter what is going on around us, the problems, the hardships, the difficulties, we know who and how we are to be. We know who and how we are to be. The hymn continues. Preserved by power divine to full salvation here. Again in Jesus' praise we join and in his sight appear. What troubles have we seen? What mighty conflicts past? Fightings without and fears within since we assembled last. Yet out of all the Lord hath brought us by his love. And still he doth his help afford and hides our life above. Then let us make our boast of his redeeming power, which saves us to the uttermost till we can sin no more. Let us take up the cross till we the crown obtain and gladly reckon all things lost so we may Jesus gain. And are we yet alive? Are we? Dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus? Let's live like it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.